1: what would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hold
0: on to your butt. Come on, sucker. Let's get it
1: on. Oh, you want to fight?
0: You want to fight?
1: I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough.
0: You don't know anybody named Iris? I don't know
1: nobody named Iris. Can I have a piece of toast? I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Western demands. How could you do this to me? Really, I want to know. Why did you do that? What you feel only matters to you. And the truth shall set you free. And that's all. No, no, not for the real fire. We offer you the bond, a
0: family that very few can understand. Help me help you. I don't do drugs. Or Whatever Movies with Wesley and Iris. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host, Iris, and I'm here with my older
1: brother. Wesley.
0: And Wesley and I are talking today, 2016, Nice Guys, which is currently available on HBO. So let's talk about your favorite movie, Wes. <laughs>
1: We're, we're just jumping in and assuming that Nice Guys is my favorite movie?
0: Well, you love it, right?
1: Nice Guys, not my favorite movie.
0: <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot La La Land's your favorite movie.
1: Well, yeah, after Cats. <laughs> so, Shane Black will always have a place in my heart. Wrote or did some uh, script work and acted in Predator in 87 with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And so he will always have that cachet for me. But everything subsequent, culminating in his role in the director's chair for Iron Man 3, which allowed him to make whatever he wanted, he made Nice Guys. And after The Nice Guys, he went back to the Hollywood studio system after decrying it and wanting to make this little offbeat 1970s buddy cop drama even though one of them wasn't a cop. He got in the director's chair for what I was hugely anticipating. Despite my reservations about Iron Man 3, which were justified, he was directing, going back to one of his original properties, The Predator. And I was excited, and it was garbage, and I cringe every time I see the artwork in my files of my own movies because, like books, you can just throw them on the fire if you hate them. I can't erase this permanently from my Amazon library. Library? Library? So, I went into The Nice Guys with some Trepidation. Rotten Tomatoes does have it at 92%. Shut up. Yeah, I'm not kidding. IMDb, rather, lists it at 4.7. And I think these are user reviews. So, obviously, we reacted probably similarly to this movie.
0: Well, I don't know if I would assume that. I reacted correctly, if that's what you're trying to get at. I mean, don't get me wrong. Fat Russell Crowe
1: is pretty good. Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling are good.
0: Ryan Gosling's great.
1: Yeah, and so... I don't think that there was anybody who dropped the ball in this movie. I think everybody, all the actors, including a younger Margaret Qualley, before she came to prominence in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, were fine. It was nice to see Kim Basinger again. She, her face is a little distracting. But, <laughs> you know, just age gracefully.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She, and because she chose not to, she's a little stony and um, not convincing as the head of the DOJ or as a mom. Or as some kind of crime boss. <laughs> but yeah, nice to see her. I mean, she's certainly no, she's no Vicky Vale.
1: She literally is Vicki Vale.
0: But she's no Vicki Vale in The Nice Guys.
1: Right. But this is Shane Black not doing the big Hollywood movies, but rather doing what he's best at. We talked about Ryan Johnson and how appropriate it was that he was doing Knives Out. And Shane Black did Lethal Weapon. He orig- arguably originated the buddy cop genre. Last Boy Scout was different, but no different in terms of the style. And all that kind of culminated in what a lot of people regard his best work of this genre, which is Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang with Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer.
0: Brian's comment about Nice Guys was, it feels a little dated. And knowing that it was more current than you might think, I still was shocked when I saw the year 2016 pop up because I definitely thought this was like a late 90s, early aughts movie.
1: It did feel like that. Obviously, it was set in the 70s, 78, 79, but it really did feel like a movie of that time, didn't it? Of the 90s, you mean? Yeah. It 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 seemed like themes that were that we've long since cast away. And in every interview that I've seen, everything that I've read, uh, both from Shane Black and Joel Silver, who himself is a relic of the 80s and 90s, they said, what do we want to see from the nice guys? Or what do we want people to experience? And they're saying, we're hoping that this is a breath of fresh air. A couple of re- reviewers said that they don't movie make movies like this anymore. And I think that's for a good reason.
0: Yeah, I think they were talking about the tone. That it was... A dramatic film that had elements of kind of kooky comedy
1: off beat like an offbeat yeah. aesthetic, yeah, yeah, but in in that way, it feels like a misstep off the beat, like you're... you' know what i mean it's like a, a, it's like someone's trying to dance, but can't can't stay on beat
0: <laughs> you can't, or can't stay on the downbeat,
1: yeah, we're not in the pocket here, it's not intentional, I think it's missing the mark, all the marks
0: the all I know. Is that I did not crack a smile in this movie once. In fact, not once, not a single time. In fact, I had more of this look of wonderment on my face at how bizarre and convenient. weird and off-putting. Oh my gosh, convenient! It was so good. that, and that's so. I didn't crack a smile, and it's supposed to be. Char- it's supposed to be really charming. I mean, maybe I did a little bit with all the um, slapstick of Ryan Gosling in the. John, where he's like, trying to wield a gun and hold the door open and cover his bits. Right. Maybe I smirked. And then the whole convenient thing. I mean, you, I've talked ad nauseum about how that bugs me in scripts when things happen so conveniently. But so, so in that sense, the convenient thing was so bad, it was like, I stopped even getting mad about it. But what made me (laughs) mad was the end when he's like, none of anything that we just went through meant anything. And then Nothing. I looked back and I was like, yeah, because it kind of didn't. So what's the whole point?
1: Yeah, it, it just sort of went on. It's like he went down this path as a writer and it just circumstantially, wherever it led him, he would kind of weave that into a story. Yeah, and then um, he
0: would reach for the convenient plot device on the shelf and have her yeah, fall th- out th- of the sky.
1: I think he, right, on top of their car, who apparently from what, how many, however many stories that they went down in the elevator when they saw the body flying (laughs) past him, right? And she just stomps on her feet with a light tap on the roof of the car and she jumps down. You know what it made me think of is the long story about Richard Nixon coming upon the car accident, right? And he's like, all that just to tell me that one thing is different when you look at it from a different angle. Right. He's like, yeah. He's like, none of that made sense. That was the entire movie.
0: Exactly. Summed up in one piece of dialogue.
1: Yeah. And there was another thing that kind of encapsulated the whole thing, the whole idea. What? He was going to start talking about the gun and the holster and then talking about how he can go to sleep right then and there. And then, of course, the bug or the bee or the fly or whatever it was, buzzy in the backseat of the car, was just a device, a gimmick, to get him to crash. So that when they crashed, the, the briefcase would fly up and all the fake money would pour out of it. Right. Is all that was about. It was just a long, detailed exercise in wit and style or faux wit and style and, and technique to get nowhere, basically, for the min- for the to move the, the plot forward in the most minute detail kind of way. Right. And the problem is I, I really liked everyone in this movie. Russell Crowe and, and Ryan Gosling are good actors, and I think that they had good chemistry and rapport. So all the fault, I think, lies with Shane Black as director. Not knowing when to quit or when he, when to stop, you know, before it gets uh, kind of ham-handed. Like when uh, Ryan Gosling stumbles upon the corpse of Sid Shattuck. Yeah, in the at forest. At the base of the tree.
0: Mm-hmm. Which also, he so he just happened to like roll into the tree where Sid Shattuck happens to have been murdered.
1: Like by whom? Right. And Who what knows? Was, what, what was Amelia doing down there? And then why after that did she run upstairs <laughs> right. to the party? Yes, to go get her car, I guess. Then why was she down there in the first place? Who knows? She was like this weird. How did Sid die there? So then he does that humana humana can't talk thing, even though he can talk for some reason. He's just horrified and distressed. And the bathroom thing was funny. And so I was like, okay, well this is going on for a long time. And then I thought about it. Well, it is kind of clever that he's got the cast on one hand, and he can't hold the thing in his other hand, right? The gun in his other hand. But he also can't pull up his pants and he can't keep the door open. And so that was a funny situation, which played. For for laughs than it was, but that was more Ryan Gosling's kind of performance than anything else. So a lot of substance, a lot of style that they were trying really, really hard to infuse this movie with, but it didn't add credibility kind of to anything I was seeing.
0: Yeah, I just I, I get the sense that Shane Black really amused himself writing this thing, and it didn't somehow translate to us the audience. But you know, in the course of this movie, I did find that Ryan Gosling has a has a tick. You know how we have identified some different actor ticks?
1: Is it that he wants to say Schwanz in every movie he's in? <laughs>
0: does he say Schwanz? What does Schwanz mean? Yeah,
1: it, it's a wiener.
0: Oh, is it German wiener?
1: I don't know. What's Ryan Gosling's tick?
0: He always gets in some situation or another where he has to do the girly scream.
1: Oh, the arm breaking scream and the other thing?
0: Yep. So he does that here. He does it in um, The Big Short. But he's got really kind eyes.
1: No no no, that's not why we're we're heaping accolades on Ryan Gosling. I think he's a fine actor and he can execute and his kind eyes can also be very serious and somber.
0: So Nice Guys, Nice Guys 2016. I mean, what in what context did this movie come out? We got Fat Russell Crowe in 2016.
1: Yeah, so he, this is kind of something that that I admire. According to some of the sources that I found, the weight gain for Russell Crowe was intentional that this guy wasn't a licensed PI, right? He was kind of he was ironically better at his job at being at being able to find and being, you know, kind of a heavy than Ryan Gosling was, who does the high-pitched scream but has a license and a gun. Yeah. But Russell Crowe said he wanted this character to be a brawler type, and so he's kind of fat and and kind of a tough guy and fine. I don't know that this is the role that he should have gone all methody and gained a bunch of weight for, but whatever. I I admire what they did in their roles with, you know, with this film. I thought that they were as, as good as anybody could have been. Additionally, strangely enough, this film was shot in Atlanta. Downtown Atlanta stood in for L.A. And, of course, we had some L.A. shots like the Comedy Store and some of the signage. But it did feel like L.A. to me, didn't it to you?
0: I yeah, I you could have told me the whole thing was shot in LA and I would have believed it. But I did see the film commission thing at the end. And I thought maybe they shot some of the auto show stuff or something there.
1: Yeah, so much stuff is shot in Georgia and they got that peach logo um because you get the tax breaks. But uh yeah, so I think they did a really good job kind of recreating 70s LA in the same way that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood did, but that also led me to the comparison between this movie and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So you were saying when this movie came out, maybe kind of what you were asking was who was this movie for? This would be uh, an example of what Shane Black is known for and loved for because Iron Man 3 was one of the lesser Marvel movies, in my opinion. The Predator was just terrible. And so those are his big budget Hollywood directorial opportunities, whereas this is his sweet spot, his niche. It's just not my niche. Honestly, there are a lot of people who love this movie and I am never going to be one of them.
0: Yeah, it's charm fell flat for me. Can we talk about the daughter, Holly March?
1: Yeah, so that's another Shane Black convention. It echoes Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, I think. It echoes uh, The Last Boy Scout, where the daughter was present in every scene, put in harm's way repeatedly. Wisecracking it was just, yeah.
0: So this is tropey for him, because she seemed awfully involved and awfully present.
1: Yeah, just get her out of there.
0: Right. And he tried to, like he's, you know, he shipped her off in the taxi and, but he, you know, he should know by now that she's crafty and she's going to find her way back into it. It's like when she was at home with Mr. Bob or what's his name? Bad Bob.
1: Oh, uh, Joe Schmo. (laughs) John Boy.
0: The John Boy. Yeah. So when she's at home (laughs) with Mr. Bob, when she's at home and John Boy shows up, I just felt like that was gross oversight and neglect.
1: Dude, so Healy was told by the guy dying in the street who conveniently got hit by a van, which also then conveniently drove away so he didn't have to deal with all that mess. And then he said John Boy is going to kill that other cop and his whole family. Yeah. And Healy was like, well, that's interesting information that I'm never going to pass on to anybody, that's even though I'm I've saying. been around Holly a bunch and I'm never going to communicate that she might be in danger. So that when John Boy shows up at the door, I'm like, well, man, maybe this could have been avoided if anybody had communicated anything about how this kid might be in danger.
0: Right. Or if they didn't leave her home with the target of the whole conspiracy. <sighs> but that didn't stop Russell Crowe from being saved and moved by Holly at the end where she brings him back to his sense of humanity, and he declines killing so-and-so You villain. mean when,
1: when she was on the roof in front of the fight to the death between the bad guy that tried to kill her and Russell Crowe, who had already killed a bad guy by choking him to death? Why was she there?
0: Why was she there? And I, 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 swear, I swear to you, there were some action scenes that were thrown in randomly just for comic effect. in just like the whole sequence of the hotel showdown. I think that there were some random shots that were inserted into the sequence that were of people fighting or getting shot that had nothing to do. Like it was completely non sequitur action just to add to this whole comedy rando tone that Shane Black was trying to cultivate. Like that whole scene felt very disconnected, very, do you know what I'm talking about? They were just random people fighting and punching each other. And we had no idea who they were.
1: I'm not kidding. I was pretty checked out by then. I mean, I was paying attention for plot points and stuff, but I don't, re- so I don't recollect anything offhand that I thought that might have been shoehorned in. I was trying to kind of keep a hold on it and to sustain my interest because all the stakes were gone at that point. I will say that this movie did unfold in a way that it came together. Even though it seemed like disparate themes and just randomness, but you know the uh, the the pink notepad or whatever thing all came together. It was all connected in good detective work. Uh, the daughter being seen through the window, everything kind of coalesced and then came to nothing. Well,
0: because they didn't get the movie right, they didn't they didn't ultimately shed light on the automobile slash smog conspiracy.
1: Well, I don't know. It just felt like that was a that was a theme that was shoehorned in to give it sort of more weight. You know, it, it, this is connected to this, and, and it's not just a one-off crime.
0: Well, they definitely, they played it up throughout. All of the establishing shots were like a haze in the distance and and weather reports saying people should stay indoors and, I don't know, incessant smog smoking protests. or something. Yeah, smog protest. Oh, so, that, I mean, it, it was definitely and deliberately planned. I mean, maybe each of those elements were shoehorned in. But nothing ultimately came of the automaker's conspiracy, right?
1: I, I feel like it was just color. Like the whole 70s vibe and the activism and how annoying she was about being rebellious, but ignoring the fact that she was actually... You know, when when she decided to make a porno that it was about rebellion and, and going against the man, man and all that stuff, and and it failed to crack the fact that she was actually compromising herself in, in through her protest. But uh, apparently, uh, Margaret Qualley doesn't play anything these days other than 70s anti-establishment hippies.
0: So Margaret Qualley is Andy McDowell's daughter. Yes, that's interesting because she looks younger in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. She does I disagree. Nice guys. I think
1: she looks almost unrecognizably younger in this movie. Really? Yeah. I don't know. It's just a, because she definitely looks different, right?
0: She looks different. I thought she looked younger in Once Upon a Time. In this movie, she looks more mature, and maybe it's just because she's not, she seems like she's dressed nicely, whereas in Once Upon a Time, she's like stick thin and wearing aprons and stuff. She was great in Once Upon a Time, though. So the longer we talk about the nice guys, the less nice I want to be about this movie.
1: Yeah. In comparing it to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, with which it shares several similarities, uh, not the least of which Margaret Qualley, I think that Shane Black would have been the go-to for this sort of witty, throwback, buddy comedy, private eye, hard-boiled gumshoe type, if Quentin Tarantino had never existed. In a world without Quentin Tarantino, Shane Black might have been the man. But in comparison, it just falls so short. It falls so flat. Not just in relation to Quentin Tarantino, but it falls short on its own. And I think that's because we've been conditioned as audiences to expect more. Is it, is it tonally? I asked Kelly outright, what did I miss? People love this movie. The, the, some of the, the reviews are through the roof. What did I miss for this movie? Did you like it? And she said it wasn't particularly enjoyable. Now, I found found one source here uh, that will go unnamed. And uh, if this is true, this kind of speaks for itself. Supposedly, this project was initially proposed as a TV series, but and I quote, was retooled as a feature film after the plot seemed to be going nowhere.
0: Wouldn't that be a red flag to some studio executive somewhere?
1: Now, I don't know if that's true, but that's kind of why I thought that's why movies go to TV is because they can't wrap up this plot and we'll figure it out in season five. Kind of that open ended vibe.
0: Yeah. So the other way around.
1: Oh, very frustrating.
0: I see how you can draw the comparison, but I do feel like on its own, it's not lacking in style. There's plenty of that. It's it's lacking in. Hmm.
1: I think it's masquerading as style. I think that they're all dressed up and they've gone to a boring party.
0: It's like (laughs) That's pretty good.
1: All the music is there. Everything is just no one's having fun. Everybody is trying to be the cool guy in the room and nobody is. And this movie had good songs in it. It didn't deserve some of these great songs. Yeah, no, I, I think it was this idea of cool that's not really a part of what we're doing anymore. I think that Shane Black got in there and Joel Silver and they're like, all right, we can do this. Like we've done this before. Like you get the buddy cops and they, they hate each other, but then they like each other. And then they're going to go here and he's going to, you know, fall off the balcony and there's going to be boobies and, and, really make this thing good you know like like it like it used to be i don't know it's just it's this weird aesthetic of kind of it's like a recreation of a 70s 80s 90s kind of movie that just doesn't exist anymore and doesn't work anymore
0: yeah they're trying to recapture something lost and they were trying to recapture something that they loved
1: but is lost and there's a larger discussion why Tarantino, when he does those things—the seventies throwbacks, the black exploitation, those kind of movies—where it works for us in a way that this movie just doesn't.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, he had, he does have a pretty deft way of making it palatable for the masses.
1: Yeah, therein lies the mystery. It seems like all the pieces are in place for this to have been a good movie, and many people regarded it as such. But it just never worked. Like you said, never cracked a smile, and any slight, you know, redeeming things that I admired just got obliterated and washed away by the the tide of of
0: unicorns. Not monotony. No,
1: <laughs> Mushoguna. And again, nothing against any of the actors, including the, including the, uh, the daughter. I thought everybody was fine. They just they, they weren't given the correct things to do for it to work.
0: Did it strike you as weird at all that in Russell Crowe's evolution as a character, he goes from abstaining to drinking again? And is almost kind of applauded for it by Ryan Gosling. That's,
1: well, that's what these guys do. Like, like the great writers, they always drink. The alcoholism is like a hallmark of a great artist, right? And if you're going to be a hard-boiled, you know, Raymond Chandler-type detective, you got to drink a bunch. That's what you do. That's what these guys do.
0: So good on I you, Russell Crowe, for getting back to your roots.
1: I think they got drunker in this movie than in The Lighthouse.
0: Dude, Ryan Gosling's drunk. Uh, he's a great actor. I don't know about Ryan Gosling's drunk though, and the falling off
1: of the balcony bit. I think Russell Crowe is an actual drunk, and I don't know that Ryan Gosling is.
0: Oh yeah. Like, you
1: can't, you can't have that much alcohol and carbs and still have the six pack, right? So it's <laughs> yeah, like he's he, got he's like he's a, a like an eight pack. faking drunk.
0: Okay, so I have one last question about this movie, and this might also be a sum up microcosm for why it sucks. Why is this movie called The Nice Guys? And what does their business the, name have to do with anything?
1: One person said, "Some so and so was a nice guy at one point," because I was waiting, you know, kind of to find this out, find out the same thing. And I was also waiting to do the clap game when they said the title of the movie. Oh right. I don't know. It was. It's ironical. so
0: it's. It's tantamount to everything else that has no meaning in this.
1: Is my guess. Look, I, I'm sure that we missed stuff because we didn't care. But honestly, when it's on you, it's on the director. To To deliver things to us that are entertaining. And, and because they're entertaining, they engage and sustain our interest and our attention. You know, this movie, it wasn't short, and I gave it all the opportunity in the world, and it never grabbed me. So did you smile or laugh? I mean, I maybe smiled or laughed at some of the absurdity of, of what the guys were doing. I liked watching Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe, which frank, frankly was the only thing that got me through this movie.
0: Name one moment you cracked a smile at.
1: Oh man. I liked the the bathroom scene. It was absurd and silly. Went on kind of for a long time.
0: It was just it was good um, because it was physical comedy and not some kind of weird wit comedy.
1: Right. But that wit was peppered throughout what people considered wit. And I just I'm worried that it's me because I'm not great with those kinds of things. Like the idea when she's saying that her husband hasn't been seen since the funeral. And there were several reviewers who said that they were on that they had to watch this movie a couple of times because they were on the floor from the humor. I just I don't understand it.
0: Yeah, but you're kind of stone faced. You're kind of a stone faced critic anyway.
1: But certainly appreciative and I know when things are funny and when they're not, when they work and when they don't. There were there were some good things about the nice guys, but nothing I, I can't think of a single moment that I really admired.
0: Yeah. I'd be curious to hear what our listeners think. That was our not-so-nice review about The Nice Guys from 2016. Wes, would you recommend, through your rating, that people watch this on HBO?
1: Nope. I actively disliked this movie.
0: Wow. You got a nope from Wes, a boring from Iris. It's not looking so nice for The Nice Guys. How many times can I use that pun? Give us a call. Leave us a voicemail, 818-835-00574. <laughs> Send us an email at orwhatevermovies at gmail.com.
1: And also, if we missed something, and obviously humor is subjective, but if there's something that we didn't understand that would flip the switch and make this a better movie, please be the person to call us and let us know. Email us and tell us why we got this wrong. I would love to find out. Yeah. I would love to be proved wrong. A
0: big thanks to our Patreon patrons. We can't do it without you. We appreciate your support. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.
1: Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric Electrocast Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now you listen
0: to music.